This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Peers Project. I'm so excited to announce today's guest because she's kind of a big deal. So today's guest is the phenomenal Jen Hansard, the founder and author of Simple Green Smoothies, the number one online resource for green smoothie recipes. So Jen has been featured by the Wall Street Journal, Entrepreneur, The Doctors, Oprah Magazine and Prevention. She's been interviewed by the likes of Lewis Howes and Founder Magazine and has a dedicated tribe of over 400,000 followers on Instagram. Her newest book, Simple Green Meals, is coming out next week on September 11th and is perfect for all of you health food fanatics looking to learn green recipes from one of the world's best. So be sure to check that out. I had an absolute ball interviewing Jen. She is someone who I really admire and I'm super excited for you all to hear our conversation. So without further ado, Jen Hansard. Jen, welcome to the Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Well, thanks for having me, Michelle. <laughs> of course. So, look, I was introduced to you by way of my podcast coach, actually, Ginny from Ginny Media, um, who's based in New York. Okay. And she said that I've got a few people for you to interview in the US um, and who'd love to come to your podcast. And, and you, you being one of them, Jen. So, I'm so excited and I feel so privileged to be able to have this time. <laughs> well, I feel chat. flattered. <laughs> I'm so glad. (laughs) Great. But before we dive into you and your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Hmm. That is a good one. Well, I grew up in Southern California in a town called Lancaster. And that was, for anyone in LA County, they consider that like Podunkville. That was like the farm area where we weren't technically LA to them, but we were LA County. And so we always felt like we were a part of LA, but they never felt like we were a part of LA. (laughs) And so that's the town I grew up in. Um, It's the high desert. It's lots of nature, lots of wind. And my dad worked in the aerospace industry. And so he had a really stable job my whole childhood. And I remember like he would go to work pretty much like eight to five and be home for every track meet I ever did, every cross country race I ran. 
anything I was involved in, both of my parents were there my entire childhood. And my mom stayed at home. And so she was able to always be there and make sure when I'd be running from sports to my job at night, even in high school, that there was food on the table and that we'd have time as a family to eat food. Wow. That's a, yeah, that's a very, um, I guess you could say stable and very nurturing upbringing you've had. How do you think that affected you growing up and, you know, (laughs) getting into uni and then moving along? How do you think that upbringing affected you? Yeah. I mean, I've never actually thought about it in this way. So I love this question. It's going to be a whole therapy session, I guess. That's what we do here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, so it was just so stable, so safe. I really felt like I could do anything and no matter what, I'd be okay. And I think that's probably the biggest what is the like theme track that would play through my head growing up was that I could take risk. I could try stuff. Um, no matter what my parents would be there. My parents loved me. Um, things would be okay. And so as soon as I turned 18, I booked it out of the house. Like I, I was like, cause I was born in the same house that I spent 18 years in. So it was like that stable of an upbringing. And so I booked it out. I went off to college my freshman year, spent, all the money my parents gave me towards college on that tuition because it was super expensive and realized then that maybe this wasn't the smartest choice for me. And also, cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went, I went to college undeclared and I went to UC San Diego, which is really into science and um, engineering. And neither of those was what I wanted to do. I intentionally chose that college because it was on the beach. And I thought I was going to be a Roxy surfer girl. Like that was my dream. Well, I mean, everyone wants to be an Australian Roxy surfer girl. So (laughs) yeah. But the funny thing is I never even surfed once. Like I never even went after it. I was so busy in school and just keeping my grades afloat that there was no time to even do that. The time I did have to clear my head, I went running. And that that was just something that's always been my thing. And it can't be on a treadmill. Like I have to be outside. And so I would run up and down the cliffs that would take me to the beach. And it was the hardest run I've ever done. But it just got me through each day. Wow. Okay. A lot to take away from there. Okay. So you're, you know, you're heading over into, you know, heading to the beach for uni and you think that you're going to spend all your time on the beach, but really you're just overwhelmed with studies. What did you end up studying if, if you weren't into engineering and, and the science? Yeah. Well, I realized then, I think part of the thing is a lot of times we don't know what we want to do as far as a business or school or life, but we do know what we don't want to do. And that is so, there's so much clarity in that. And just being okay with knowing that what you don't want to do, allowing that to guide you will really open doors. And that's what happened. I was like, I don't know what I want to do still. I've spent a year in college, but I know what I don't want to do. And it's not the degrees here. I'm not feeling excited for my second year. Maybe it's time to figure something else out. And so I had a boyfriend who we started dating when we were 16. And he was back home in our little town called Lancaster. And so I decided it was time to go home and figure things out. So I went back there. I went to a junior college for a year, trying to take as many classes as I could and figure out what that next step looked like at a much more affordable place to play. And it was through that that I realized I wanted to go to school for journalism and become a print journalist, like a reporter. And that was something I did in high school. I wrote for my school newspaper and I eventually was the editor in chief. 
Yeah. So the, that was kind of the direction that I felt like finally, this was something that excited me that I liked to do, that I felt like I could make a difference in the world. And that would be a fulfilling career. Okay. So you've moved home and, and you're trying to figure out what that next step is. You're trying to figure out what you actually like taking some classes, any class you can. So what, you know, how did you go from great? I'm taking classes and still trying to figure out to, oh my goodness, print journalism. Like this is what I have to go out and do. I'm going to make it happen. Like, how did you get there? Yeah. Never thought about this again, but, um, it was my English class. Challenging you today. Yeah, this is crazy. I love it. <laughs> it was my English class that I had to take to transfer to a whole new university system. So it wasn't one that I chose to, it was a requirement. And, um, the, one of the books we read in there was called into the wild and it's by John Krakauer and he's a journalist and he, um, interviews and kind of does this account of what Chris McCandless went through on his journey up to Alaska and trying to get into the wild. And that book just fascinated me so much. And I guess that's kind of where I realized that's what I want to do was I want to interview people to figure out the true story and share that with the world. Wow. It's very cool. I, I find it so interesting when it could just be something as simple as I read this book. Yeah. I just came across this, you know, and it's, it literally can change your whole career trajectory where you're headed. Um, yeah. That's very cool. Okay. Well, and, I, so and then, at the same time, I was also taking art classes because my boyfriend, Ryan, he was into art. And so I started doing figurative drawing and then I moved into computer graphics and I really liked that. And so I kind of felt like a little bit torn, I guess you could say, between being a writer and also doing design on the computer. Mm -hmm. And so when I looked into colleges for my third college, <laughs> I was much more like apprehensive and like kind of planning ahead. Whereas if, if I decide print journalism isn't the thing, is there a design major that could be my backup? And I found a school called Cal State Long Beach that um, was also by the beach. So I could always pursue my Roxy <laughs> surfer girl dream <laughs> or go to college. And so that's where I ended up going. And I double majored in both because as I kept going through school, I couldn't pick anymore. I loved them both. I yeah. loved my professors. I loved every single class. And so I just yeah. kept saying yes to it all. And it took me six years to graduate. But it's amazing because those two degrees, because I chose them because I love them, they're still what I do every single day in my job now. I, I think that's so fascinating. I think that most of the time we just go out and do what we think we should do. And, yeah. you know, we pursue these career paths or these degrees that we think that, that will just make my parents proud or, you know, that's what society is telling me to do. And I love that you made that connection just then that what you literally studied and, you know, what you finally figured out that you wanted to study is now what you still do every day, you know, many years yeah. down the track. So that's very, yeah, very cool comparison there. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, you went through uni, you're, you're, you're loving it. And then it gets to, okay, we've, we've graduated now, you know, it's, it was six, we've done six years finally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I saw that you, one of your early work opportunities was actually um, being a freelance art director for Roll Global. So yeah. talk, I know you did that for only a short period of time, but talk to us a bit about that first experience out there in the working world. Yeah. Well, I really think it's you fake it till you make it. And I applied for that job when I was still in college. So I wasn't even graduated. I was still finishing my degree. And I was just kind of planning ahead because I was ready. I was ready for work. Like I'd been doing this five and a half years at that point. Maybe it was five, five and a half somewhere. And um, 
I just knew that I wanted to be ready for when I got out to just jump in. And the experience that I could have while I was, because the last semester, the last two semesters, I was part-time in school. So there was space to work. And a lot of kids would take it easy. You know, that's like your last chance before you get into the real world. But for me, I was like, this is an opportunity to further myself right now. And so I went through an, um, what was it called? It was a, a headhunter. And I walked in and let them know, hi, I'm in school for graphic design. I'm ready to do this. I would love to get a job. Can you help me? And they helped me put together my portfolio. And then they presented me to a couple companies. And I had two other offers first that I said yes to. And they were all freelance, part-time, small design agencies. And so I landed those jobs and had a little bit of experience working for corporate accounts. Like one was for Toyota Um, another was for an investment company. And then when I walked in for the interview for Roll International, it was in Santa Monica in this like, almost it was like 20 stories high skyscraper. And I just remember being like, I'm not ready for this. And I'm still in school. And they shouldn't give me this job. But I still went in there dressed up Mm. and showed my portfolio and just shared what excited me and what I love to do and talked about it. And they gave me the job. Mm, that's amazing. <laughs> that's, I think- and it was great pay. Oh, it was wow. incredible pay for because I got I wasn't just a junior designer, which is what I should have started at. I literally came in there as an art director, which is like two levels up. Wow. So talk yeah. us through. I, I love this. This is phenomenal. So talk us through <laughs> how you got the courage to just go. This is a role that I really shouldn't be having. You know, this is a company that mm-hmm. I would like anyone in my degree would die to be at once we've graduated. Yeah. You know, how do you gain that courage to just put yourself out there and go for it and make that type of impression? I think I just think about what do I have to lose? And really there's not much. It's rejection. Like it it could hurt my ego if they say no, but really there's nothing else stopping me. And if I don't get it, all it means is another opportunity is next door and I have to go for that one. So I don't ever take a no as rejection. I just take it as a detour and another path to go. And so I'm not, I guess I'm not scared of a no. And it's probably also growing up, like it was no matter what, I was going to be okay. And I knew that walking in there, like, yeah, this, this could go bad, but really how bad would it go? And all it was, was I wouldn't get that job. So, but I did go in and I got that job and (laughs) I literally paid off my college loans with that job. So by the time I graduated, which was about, I want to say it was probably about six, probably nine months later. I had already paid off my college loans. So I graduated college debt-free. Wow. And it was a mixture of that. Also, my husband and I, or my boyfriend at the time, we got married when I was 21. And so it was my, I think it was my third or fourth year in college, we got married. And when he asked my dad, my dad said um, that he could marry me as long as I graduated college. And so that was always the catch was like, you're going to have to get through college. (laughs) And I always knew I would, it was just going to take longer because I was going to do it the way that felt good for me and that I found the value in it. Wow. I love that. And I, it's, it's so interesting, isn't it? When you go for those positions and roles that you're, you know, you're not too sure if it's going to work out, but you do it. I mean, you killed it having paid off your college debt. It's almost unheard of before finishing. Um, yeah. I guess that just shows, I mean, all of us listening, all our peers out there that, you know, if you do just go for it, it doesn't, I mean, something 
phenomenal can come of it. Something that you didn't even expect. So a really good takeaway there. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And also budgeting. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge part of it too, is when I started making that money, I didn't buy anything excessive at all. Like I kept the same car. We still, we actually lived with my parents. We moved in with them to save on rent because we knew that we we're just tons of money was being thrown away. So I literally moved back into my childhood bedroom with my <laughs> husband <laughs> and we, he had a great job too. He worked for the studios. And so he has, he had great money too. And between the two of that, those things and us just saving, we were able to pay it off in his college debt wow. too. So we graduated. No debt. Phenomenal. Okay. So you've graduated. You're still living at home with your husband, but you've got your debt free. I mean, you know, it's phenomenal. So what, yeah. you know, what happened next? I saw that after that year at, at Roll Global that you kind of dive straight into your own business. So talk to me about that process yeah. there, you know, that mindset shift, I, I guess. Yeah. Well, in December, about six months, no, maybe, well, I guess it was in February, somewhere early in the year, we were living with my parents. I was working at Roll, going to college and commuting an hour and a half each way to college. Like it was a lot, but I am, I'm just, I think I'm a unique person because I can put up with a lot and I don't mind hard, long days. Like I, I have a lot of endurance in me. And it was during that time we decided we thought it'd be a great time to have a baby. And so (laughs) story keeps getting better. Yeah. So we were 24 at the time and we had been married three years going to school. I was still in school, but I knew I was graduating. I could see the light. I had a job. And so we're like, you know what? We're never going to be fully ready, but we knew we wanted kids and we felt we'd been together for so long since we're 16 And it was just a great relationship. And so we went for it. And so I got pregnant pretty quick. And so by graduation date, I had the ultrasound photo of my baby. (laughs) And so we always say my son Jackson graduated with me. So he's already got two degrees under his belt. I double majored. (laughs) And then from there, um, I actually got laid off from my job right before I had my son. And I was still always freelance there. So it wasn't like I was a full-time worker, even though I worked full-time hours for months there. So when they laid me off, it was just part of the process. And um, then I had my son and they actually called me back for a full-time position. Wow. Yeah. And I, Ryan and I always talked and I, I just, I'm such a worker bee that I always thought I would be the breadwinner and the one that would go to work do that. And he would stay home with the kids. And that's kind of like what we talked about and would say, but once I had my son and I was holding Jackson in my arms and just that bonding experience. And as soon as Roll called me back for that job there, I like thought it through and I'm like, this would mean I would take Jackson to daycare all day. We would drive home together. Um, I wouldn't see him that much. And I just, I couldn't do it. And the thing that I thought I wanted and had said for years and years that this was the life I wanted and it was laid out in front of me, I realized it wasn't what I wanted anymore. And so I talked to my husband and Ryan and I kind of hashed it out. And I said, I can't take that job. Like, I just cannot do it. It'll break my heart. I said, but I think I could find a way to make money from home. And so at that point, it gave me a little confidence that if they believed in me and thought I was a value... I had enough value as an employee to like hire me full time that I could be a creative director from home. 
And so I, I think I was literally probably three or four weeks after having Jackson, I was on my computer wow. building out my website to become answered studio, like a design <laughs> boutique company. <laughs> and I started reaching out to get my own clients. Mm-hmm. And it was a way where I could stay home and I knew what it was going to take to do that. And it was worth it. Wow. So much I'm taking away from this. I'm sure everyone listening is as well. Wow. Okay. I just want to backtrack a little bit. So you've been offered that full-time role, a job that, you know, most would, would die for and jump at. And but at the same time, you've, you've had your son, you know, it's a diff, you're in a different place. Talk to us. You mentioned before that everything yeah. you thought you wanted, you actually realized you didn't want anymore. Talk us through how you let go of that and you embrace, or you just appreciate that and you embrace what you actually do want. I think that so many times we, we're on this fast track to where we want to go. And when we get there or when we're close to getting hold up. This isn't what I want. Like talk us through that, that period there. Yeah. So, I mean, the life I thought I wanted was me going to work every day, working 40 hours a week for someone else and having them say great job all the time to me, because I knew I was that kind of worker and I love that kind of praise. And so that's what I was craving. And I still wanted a family. And so I knew to get that my husband could stay home with the kids so I could go out and do that and use my degrees, use all the things that I've worked hard for and put them into action. But then, I mean, it's definitely having a kid that changed it. If I didn't have him, then I would have absolutely taken that job without questioning it because it's what I wanted. But just my heart changed. Like, it was such a dramatic shift in my body. It was like everything halted Mm -hmm. and I couldn't move forward quickly. I couldn't say yes as quickly as I would have before. So I knew there was something in me. There was a reason for me not to say yes. And so then I start thinking about that and why is it that I was so excited before, but now I'm not. Mm -hmm. And instead of seeing it as a bad thing or that I'm not worthy or doing a good enough job or just all the things we, the lies we tell ourselves, when we start changing our mind on something or that we're wishy-washy. Um, I thought a lot about it and I realized that for me, all it meant was that I was going to do it differently than I had thought, but I was still going to get the results that I needed, which was success. Like I want success in some way. Love that. Love that. I think that, yeah, that, I mean, you answered that so well. I think that idea of like, what's my end goal? Okay, I want to be successful. I want to, you know, feel and be passionate about what I do every day. So regardless of what route I take, I'll just, yeah, pick which one yeah. feels right. Awesome. Yeah. And I also, I guess I kind of see, I'm so visual. So what I see, I see my whole life as like, there's the starting point, like point A, and then there's point B way down the road. And all we're doing is we're pushing this giant boulder along and it's going to curve. It's going to go every which way. It's not a straight line. And we just have to, we can't let ourselves stop. If we stop and give up, then that boulder's never going to get to what we're trying to reach for. But if we keep pushing forward and as it turns, if we turn with it and just keep rolling with it, we will get to that goal. And it's going to look so different than we ever thought, but that's where it's colorful. That's where the struggle comes in. That's where the triumph comes in. And like, you have to keep going because you're going to get there if you don't Mm. give up. Your mentality is just 
awesome. I think, you know, I think my question here is how can we develop that kind of mentality of regardless of what way I go, I can get that, that persistence. You talk about that resilience you Mm -hmm. said, and that you show now, you know, how can we develop that? And do you think it's something that we can develop? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, what I do is I look back on my life and I think of the times when I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I did it anyway. And write those down. Or like one thing we do is um, we have stones and we write like when prayers are answered. And so a lot of times we feel like we're putting prayers out there and we're not going to get an answer to them. But you look back and you look at those stones and all the prayers answered and you're like, no, they will be. It's just in a different timing than we have, but it's going to work out. And so I think if we do that with all the decisions we made or all the obstacles we're faced with and look in our past and see how they played out, you'll actually see it's all connected and it all makes sense. And there was success in all of it. And if there was a failure, there's success right behind it. So find that and then focus on that and keep on going. Awesome. So well said. Okay. So I want to then dive into some of those early challenges. So, you know, you're, you've, you've got your newborn, you're starting a business right off the bat. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're straight out of, fresh out of college, you know, yeah. talk to us a bit about those early challenges. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I loved it so much. And I, I mean, I didn't have many clients. Like I was just starting out. I was hustling on the side, um, trying to think who my first client, you know, I don't think it was my first, but my dad was one of my earliest. So he runs a home tax business. And so I did a website for him and his logo and business cards. And so it didn't take that much time of my life up. So I was still really present as a mom and I'm very social. Like I just, I can't stay inside. My mom loves to stay inside and she can like sit up in her room for like days at a time. Whereas I'm like, if I'm not outside at least one time in the day, I'm going to go crazy. And so I joined a mom's group and that was a way for me to get social, get out every day. And it met at a park down the street from our house in Studio City. And it was at that park that I met a friend and her name was Jada Selner. And back then we were just friends. Her daughter was about, I want to say it was like a year, maybe six months older than my son. And when you're babies, that age gap is huge. Like pretty much you're not that good of friends because her daughter's like crawling all over my like newborn son and we're like protective. (laughs) So it's a different thing, but we knew each other. We connected through that and years. Well, it was about a year later. We actually joined partnerships to start our own business together. Yeah. Wow. So this crazy connection that started from that mom's group actually led to a whole new direction in my life. Wow. Okay. Wow. So much. So, so that she became partners with you in Simple Green Smoothies or something. Yeah. Or in the, wow. Okay. So I wanted yeah, to. So you bit. never know wow. where business opportunities lie. Cause mine was in a mom's group at a park with babies on a blanket. <laughs> 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 so I'm just saying they're everywhere. You guys like probably more so outside of the business world than in it. Uh, yeah. And it's so funny. <laughs> isn't it? I often get asked the question or I get flown around, you know, how do you find a business partner? I want to find my co-founder and all of that. And it's, I think there's a lot of pressure put around this idea of a co-founder and I can't, you know, I need someone to support me along this journey. And I, I mean, I don't know about you. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but 
for me, it's like, you know, this person's almost as, you know, going to be as close to me as like my husband or my partner or my boyfriend, mm-hmm. you know, probably even more. Um, you know, talk to us a bit about that initial bond that you had with your now co-founder. Yeah. I mean, we, we were friends, so that helped. So there was a trust factor already established and it's kind it's kind of a complicated story, but after we met in that mom's group, I, we only probably met like five times. And then I moved out of town. We ended up moving to Florida from Los Angeles for a whole new adventure where my husband accepted a job with a, a church. And before that, he was in this Hollywood studio business, but he felt called to be a pastor. Wow. And so we sold our house in LA and um, yeah, left his job, which had the great health insurance and moved across the country with, by then we had two kids. So we had my daughter and my son and started a church and we had no salary, no income. We had to fundraise ourselves the money and we suck at fundraising. (laughs) Like that is the one thing I will never be good at. I'm good at a lot of things, but fundraising is never going to be my jam and that's okay with me. (laughs) But back then it wasn't because we needed money to survive and we weren't bringing it in. We were trying to start this church. We were living in a retirement village in this house that people let us stay in. And it got so bad where we ran out of the health insurance that we had in LA and we were on unemployment and we even qualified for a program. It's called WIC in America and it's for women and infants and children. And it's a government food program to help me nourish my kids because I couldn't afford to. So it's like a level up from food stamps, but it's still government support. And what blew my mind was that between me and my husband, we had four college degrees at that point. And we had hit this place in our lives where we couldn't even provide the way we wanted to for our family and needed support. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I once again, just jump back a little bit. So, you know, you're, you've, you started this business, you've had, you have your newborn, you've started this initial business, you've met your business partner who you didn't realize would be your business partner yet. Correct. And then, you know, and then you went on this, your husband had this revelation and you, you guys went on this journey to actually kind of letting go of everything materialistic, you could say, and, and moving and and completely moving and changing your lifestyle. But I guess what a question I've got here is, you know, when you pick up and leave everything you've ever known, you know, and, and you start fresh with, you know, with children and whatnot, how do you, how do you even yeah. mentally prepare yourself for, for, for the unknown, <laughs> you know? You know, that it was the hardest thing I've ever done was moving because I had the most amazing friends and the most incredible support between my parents and my friends. and. It, we had a great house. We pretty much had the life that I thought I would have as a little girl. We had the two kids, we had our house. Um, we had loved ones all around us and stable job. So it was pretty much what I grew up with. I was living out for me and my family too. And so when the call came for us to move there, we said, no, like we, we originally said, we're not going like, we don't want to move to Florida. Like we love California, but, um, we, we eventually felt like it was very clear that we should be there. And so because of that, because we really did believe that we were needed in Florida together, we said, we're doing this and it's scary and it's unknown. But the whole time I had him by my side and having Ryan, like your partner by you for something that's scary. I think that's the only way I could have made it because 
it was stressful. We had to sell our entire house. We had to sell everything in it except what we could fit in this little trailer that we towed behind our truck. Uh, We had to sell our second car, all these things we sold off. And I made a little savings. I called it my Craigslist fund. And so anything we sold went in the Craigslist fund. And I would always say, when we get to Florida, we can buy these things again. Because it was so hard to let go of them that I knew I had to. But in my mind, I was like, I'll just get them back and it's going to be okay. So you kind of cope in different ways when you have to make a big change. (laughs) And the same with my parents. I was just like, you'll come and visit, right? And all our friends, like we just promised, like they'd come out, I'd come back. And that's what kept me going. So interesting. So interesting. Okay. So then talk us through, you know, you've moved now, you've gained that courage. You're you're in Florida to, from there to now we're, almost broke you know we don't have enough money to spot talk to us a bit about that transition yeah well we were so poor like it was so stressful and our savings that we had from selling our house was just going down and down and down and when the health insurance ran out that's when I was like we have to figure this out because if one of us gets sick like that's gonna put us over Like we will have no money left and I don't know what we'll do then. I mean, I guess we could always move back with my parents, but we kind of felt like those days were over now and like we needed to figure this one out on our own. And so really the focus for me was we cannot get sick. And so I was doing, at that time I was doing design work still online and Jada, the old friend from the mom's group, she reached out for me to do some design work for her. And she was starting a a parenting blog or a parenting newsletter that she wanted to start sending out. And so I gave her the friend discount of $75 and did some design work for her. And I was telling her about what was going on and just how stressful it was and like how tired I was, how the kids always get ear infections. And if we can't fix this, like we're going to have no money. And she's just shared how she started drinking green smoothies. And that was a way for her to lose weight. But she's like, I also think they help boost your immune system. And so I went online, did some research and I could back it. And I was like, you know, I think she's right. Like this is like a lot of vitamins you're putting in your body, just real fruits and vegetables that absorbs easily because it's blended. And I was like, let's try it. And so we went to the store, we got the bag of spinach, the frozen fruit, the bananas, and we put it in the blender. And I did not think my kids would drink it because it was spinach. And I didn't even want to drink spinach. Like that is just no good for me. (laughs) I remember like I would buy spinach before and it would just go bad in the fridge because I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. So, but we tried it and the kids drank it happily. I drank it happily. And so did my husband. And so I just felt like such a huge weight had lifted at that moment. Cause I was like, this is something that we can do. That's going to keep us healthy. It's also going to turn into a meal for us. So help nourish us with a good meal too. And we can do this every day because they love the taste of it. And so I did. Every single day, we started drinking a daily green smoothie. We stopped getting sick. I started getting more energy. And just like life kind of felt like it was changing. And then at that same time, the church ended up closing down. So my husband and he had a co-pastor. And just the stress of it. Starting a church is like starting a business And there's so many things that can go wrong. And in our situation, I think everything that could go wrong did go wrong. (laughs) And so it got to the point where the church had to close down and we were just devastated. 
and trying to figure out why did we move all the way here to just have this happen? Like we put, we, we give everything up, everything that mattered to us, except each other we left behind for what? And I, we talked about moving back because we're like, there's no point being here. Like this is what we came for is gone. So why stay? But I was talking to a friend, Iko, who's a pastor's wife. And I just said, when do you know it's time to go home? Like I'm brand new to this pastor's wife thing. Like I don't get it. I'm just trying to figure it out. <laughs> and she said, you don't go until it's clear that you're supposed to. And she's like, you just need to stay there. And that was the hardest thing because we were pretty much sitting in failure and living in the house that we failed our church in and seeing no opportunities around us and just every day trying to figure out what the heck are we doing. And it was during that time that Ryan and I were talking and I was just so frustrated um, with everything because it's like, well, I was saying like we moved out here and for what? And now we have no money. And I'm trying to make money, but I don't know what I'm doing. And it's so slow and so little. And we're still on unemployment and have no health insurance. Like, this is not good. <laughs> like, let's just move back to California and I'll go work at my job again. <laughs> but that's not what we felt called to do. So we stayed. And I told him, I said, I really want a way for us to find a church that we choose it, not for the money that you'll make, even though right now we're so desperate that we're tempted to just find the highest paying church and go but really choose the one we feel called to and find a way for me to make money so that we never have to worry about it for you as a pastor. And so like that became our dream. And he agreed with that because he didn't want to choose a job for the money. He wanted to choose it for the impact he could have. And so we prayed about it. And it was right around that same time that Jada and I started doing our a parenting blog together. So that little newsletter I proposed turn into a blog and I would build out the website because I'd figure it out. And we started a blog through that. And then from that, we just were obsessed with green smoothies. And so Jada and I started sharing them on our parenting blog, but no one really cared that much. And we were just like, you guys, these are really good. You're missing out. Like something's not going right here. And her friend had told her about Instagram. And this was in 2012. And Instagram was a, the new thing. And so Jada would take our recipes and take photos of them and post them on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it quickly took off because there was no one else doing that on Instagram. And so we had got a very large following really quickly because we were sharing free green smoothie recipes, one that we were making every day and two that tasted good. And so people knew if they followed us that our recipes were going to be tasty and they wouldn't be wasting <laughs> their time or money on something nasty. <laughs> wow. Okay. So much to take in. I love this. Okay. So I want to um, go back a little bit into that idea that you talked about of being called to do something. So I found that really interesting. So, I mean, I guess my question to you here is, you know, how do you put aside this factor of money? I think it's something that all of us worry about in some shape or form. And, you know, especially if we're starting out, if we're trying to do something different, yeah. we often think, well, let's just go for the job that's going to pay me the most. And then I'll figure out my passion later and figure out how I'm going to do that around it. You know, how do you become so aligned with yourself or how do you just get into that mindset of, even though we're quite desperate at the moment, you know, we have to go out there and do what we're called to do. How, how did you mm -hmm. do that? It had to be really clear for us to even get to that place. And what it took was us saying no for months. 
like we said no to Florida for months and months and just lived the life mm-hmm. that we thought we were meant to have. And I got to the place where his friend, the other pastor was like, you guys, I just really feel like you're supposed to be here. Can I fly you out so you can check it out? And so he took a big leap of faith on us. And in my head, and I told this to my husband, I'm like, we could go. It's a vacation. And so I literally was like, I'll go to Florida. I've never been. The kids would love it. Like, let's do this. And so we, we did. We took the two kids who were like six months and a year and a half on the plane to Florida to check it out. And during that time, there was a workshop on church planting that my husband went to. So he could understand what we were, what his friend felt we were called to do with him. And so I guess part of figuring out your next step or your passion or your purpose is researching it and like going deeper than you want to, not because it means you're moving forward, but it just so it means that you're understanding what's out there and the possibilities that could lie ahead if you choose to accept it. And that's what we were doing. So we went out there, checked it out, went to the area that we they felt called for us to move to. And while my husband was in classes all week learning about church planting and what that meant, I was going around town with the kids, just being social me, like going to the coffee shops, like going to the park, trying to meet some moms. And for me, the biggest realization was this town, it's called Wesley Chapel, that we they needed a church in, had no churches at that time, not even one. It was a brand new community. And I've never seen anything like it. But they literally just took cow fields and built a master planned community, put in schools, Starbucks, grocery store, but there's no churches. And for me, a church is a place where you can be a community and support one another. And if that isn't there, then it's not going to be a great place to live. And so there was a piece missing that I felt we could contribute to that town. And my husband felt it too. And so we left there and we already said, yes, we said, this is where we're meant to be. (laughs) Like, we will come back. We don't know how we're going to do it yet because there's no money. Like you're not going to pay us, but we're going to figure it out. And you can count on us coming back when we can. And so we left there, flew home and told our parents and said, we're going to, we have about six months. We want to try to get out there. We've got to figure some stuff out. We've got to sell our house and do it all. And every door opened after that. And my husband's job in the studios actually slowed down to where he got laid off before we even left. And so that was one of those signs where we felt like, okay, what we're doing is where we need to go because Mm. all the opportunities Mm. here are closing. Yeah. Okay. So very good. Looking out for the signs, just really getting clear on what it is that you actually want. Um, Love that. So many good takeaways. Okay. So I want to dive in quickly in the last, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 or so minutes into simple green smoothies. So this is just like absolutely blew my mind. You know, you've got over 400. 400,000 followers on Instagram. And I know you said you started it off very early. It's been running for six years. You're clearly killing it. You know, how did you go from, we're just posting a couple of photos on Instagram to now, like we have a business and now it's taking off. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't overnight. It took, we started the website or we started Instagram in June of 2012 and posting probably three times a week at first, and then building up to more and more when we'd take turns and share it. And that just kept gaining momentum to where we decided it was time to expand. And I built out a website for Simple Green Smoothies. And so my degree in 
design and journalism comes in handy again. (laughs) And so built out the website and then we went on Facebook and started reaching that audience too, because we knew it was a different audience. And if people on Instagram liked what we were sharing, we had a pretty good feeling we could reach people on Facebook too. And so all of this we're doing for free and working. I was probably working 40 hours a week on this alone, just building out stuff because it was growing so fast. We felt like there was momentum to it and we didn't want to miss out on that. And in January of 2013, we hosted our first 30 day green smoothie challenge. And for me, like community's huge. It's everything. Like I love sharing life with others and green smoothies are just like that. Like I didn't want just one friend to know about them. I wanted every friend all around the world to know about them. And the best way to do that is to challenge them to drink them with you. And so we did that. We did a January 30 day challenge and over 30,000 people signed up during that first challenge. And so our Instagram account grew because they would tag their friends to get them to join. Um, Our email list would grow because in order to get any challenge content, you had to sign up for our newsletter where we were sending you your shopping list and your recipes. And then Facebook grew too, because that's where we were sharing about the signups. So by inviting others into what we were doing and then asking them to invite their friends too, that's how we grew so fast. Mm -hmm. So we have tons of incredible followers that not only drink the smoothies, but tell their friends and family about them too. That's why it grows. Wow. I think that's a really uh, important point. You mentioned the idea of when you're starting out something and you want to get people on board, it's growing that community and having that at the forefront. I think so many of us have this like warped perception of starting a business and, you know, I want to make money and I want to go straight into it and whatnot. And it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so clear from your story that it's really not about that. It really is. Let's build the community. Let's build a tribe. And then the money will come and then, yeah. So talk to us a bit about after that challenge and up up from there, you know, what happened? How did you decide that you actually wanted to sell, start selling stuff? Yeah. Well, after that first challenge, we had so many people that were just excited about what we were doing that Jada and I were like, we need to sell them something. <laughs> like this is, this is what we've been waiting for, for like a year and a half of building a mommy blog. Yeah. Like we have people who, who want to be a part of this and they want to drink these smoothies. And so we literally took the 30 day challenge that we had just given them for free through emails and we, I made it into a digital PDF and uh, we offered that for sale for $5 as a way for you to do this challenge whenever you wanted. So we said, we literally said in an email and on Facebook and Instagram, we're like, Hey, congrats on just finishing your first 30 day challenge. If you loved it and would like to do it again, you can get a PDF download of the entire challenge right here for $5. And within that week, I think we made $8,000 from that one PDF that was $5. Wow. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And that blew my mind because I did not understand this world of digital downloads or anything like that. I mean, I can make them and that's what I did, but I was not one to buy things like that. Like I love physical, like I want to get a book in the mail, but apparently people don't care. Like they just wanted it. And so they bought it. (laughs) And just like in college where once I had that great job, instead of buying something for myself with this $8,000, we didn't just 
spend it on a vacation that was way overdue. We invested it back into the company. And that was so hard because we wanted to celebrate and just be like, you know what, this is what we've worked for and do something with it. But we knew if we didn't put the money into it, it wouldn't come because we didn't have any money. Like I had nothing. Like I couldn't invest. All I could give was my time. And the same with my business partner. She was in pretty much a similar situation as I was at that time. So money was not on our side. So we literally started a business with zero cash, but a whole lot of heart and a lot of money or not a lot of money, but a whole lot of heart and a lot of time that we can invest mm. into it. I find that yes, yeah, so interesting. Cause so once again, just, you know, the misconceptions it's, you know, so many people say, well, I can't do that because I don't have $10,000 to start it. Oh, I can't do that. And it, I mean, yeah. you're the living proof that you can actually just start it whenever and, oh, yeah. you know, see what happens. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I would say my background mm. in design definitely took us to the next level really quick because I was all about branding and creating this experience for people, either, either on Instagram or Facebook or through our website with graphics and edited mm. photos. So everything had this higher standard to it. And you felt the value immediately as you would be a part of it. And so that alone made it where people were willing to buy because it didn't just look like a hobby. Like it looked like a business from the get-go. So we were faking it in our pajamas, working hard. <laughs> and people bought the ebook. <laughs> where do you think that level of commitment to something comes from? I don't know. I've always had that. Like if I say I'm going to do something, I will do it no matter what. Like I don't give up. I, I really believe have your yes be yes and your no mean no and following through even if it's hard, even if it takes longer, even if it looks different than you thought it was, like just follow through on what you say you're going to do. And so if I said I was going to build out a website, I would build out that website. <laughs> so if I was going to find a way to make money for my family so my husband could choose any church that he felt called to, I was going to figure it out. So. I want to talk a bit about that, the steep progression you had. So, you know, you made the $8,000 in that month. Talk to us a bit about the next couple of years that went by, you know, talk to us a bit about the growth. Um, when did it start to become a real business? Yeah. So this is a great lesson too, for people. Like when you're trying to figure out what to invest that first chunk of money in that you have, whether it's through sales of your own or if someone gives you money to put towards a business what we did that worked really well is we signed up for an online business school because Jada and I didn't really know what we were doing. And even though we had gotten that far on our own, we knew that we could go further if we had someone showing us the way. And the one we signed up for was called Marie Forleo's B-School. And that's where we got really clear on our messaging, our avatar, like who, who is this product for and how do we reach them and con- connect with them on a deeper level? And then the next step of that was, what product does that person need? And so we went through a whole, I want to say it was like three weeks of work just figuring out that next product because we knew it wasn't going to be another $5 ebook because that only works once. (laughs) And so we ended up realizing that what we needed was a 21-day cleanse. And this was where you would take the basics of a green smoothie and apply meals to it. So you're drinking your smoothies, but you're also eating clean, whole foods to help you lose that extra weight that a green smoothies alone aren't getting you and also give you more energy because you're taking out all the gluten, all the 
um, caffeine, the meat, the dairy, these things that slow us down and weigh us down. If you remove them for 21 days, the energy you get and the results you get for your body are amazing. And so we created a program with a nutritionist Ah, from Australia, actually. Oh, yeah, because we knew back then down there, they were so ahead of where we were in America. And so we met Meg Thompson online Mm -hmm. and she just got it. Like she was beyond where we were. So she was truly the expert on that product. And we hired her with that money to build out our program with us. I think it's, there's so much, there's definitely something to say about, we've done this on our own so far and we've gotten to this point, but we need to know how to take ourselves to the next level. We need to know more. And I think that idea of just constant learning and putting yourself out there and finding the right people um, is a super important takeaway. Yeah. Well, and also how we talked about earlier with business partners Mm -hmm. and just making sure you're aligned because every phase of your business, you can fall out of alignment really quickly. So where we started when we're both financially struggling with our families and needing to make a buck, like we had gotten to that place. And so now we had to reassess, like, were we still aligned? We made some money. Are we ready to move forward with this next step in the business and the B school? So going through business school, was our way to work through that together and get realigned on what we were doing. And it helped fuel us for the next couple of years because we had such clarity wow. at that point. Okay. So talk to us about the insane progression, you know, talk to us about, we've now launched our second product and, you know, talk to us about like a year on from there. Where were you at then? Okay. Well, when we launched that second product in, I want to say it was six months after that first $5 ebook. And in 10 days, we made $86,000. So we had found the way to do it. (laughs) Yes. So all that work we were doing with our research, taking that business class and building out this amazing product was paying off. Talk to me a bit about that. When you saw that money come, what did you feel? You know, you you said, you know, you've been struggling for so long. You know, this was this hard slog for you, move different states, you know, like what was that? What did that feel like for you? Yeah. Well, my parents were visiting and I felt like for the last three years of talking to them, it was always like, it's going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. Like I was always trying to figure it out, but we hadn't yet. And they were actually helping us financially too. So they were cheering us on and being like, okay, we're going to help you. Um, but they were here when I remember like refreshing the screen, when we sent out that first launch email and sales were coming in and just constantly refreshing and just watching the number go up and up. And That was for me, it was like, see, like I was just telling my parents, like I told you it was going to work out. I knew it. I just didn't know how long it was going to take. And of course it took way longer than I ever wish it did because it was so uncomfortable and so hard for so long, but it was so worth it at that moment when I could see all that hard work and what it went to was creating really a business that sold a product that people really wanted and helped them. And they just loved what we were doing. Mm. Like they were supporting us too. And they knew it. Like we were always like thanking them for their purchase. Like, you don't know what this means for our family. (laughs) Wow. I think there's, oh my goodness, so much, so many amazing takeaways. I think this idea of, um, you know, that hard slog being longer than you expected. You know, I think so many of us, we commit to something and then 
when yeah. it doesn't start to happen, we think, oh, well, maybe that's not the right one. We'll jump to something else. You know, maybe that will work for me or, you know, whether it's a job, whether it's a business idea or whatever it may be. And yeah. I think that, I mean, your story is such an example of sticking with that one thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who knows if we mm. jump ship a month before and just said, you know what, like this is too hard. This is not yeah. making money. Like I can go get a job somewhere that'll pay me right now. We could have missed out on all of this. And all of those things were so tempting. Like, of course we would want that. But I just felt that what we were doing was more important and it was bigger than where we were at that moment. Like I could see where it was going to go. Like I believed in it and I wanted it to happen. So I was going to stick through with it. Wow. Look, Jen, it's been absolutely amazing. I have a million more questions I want to ask you, but I'm also <laughs> we can do round two later. <laughs> I'm like, I know, I know, totally. Oh my goodness, I. Well, you know, before we, we we start to wrap up, I just want to firstly acknowledge you, Jen, for the phenomenal work you're doing and you've done for your story, for the struggles you've been through. I think and sharing them with us is really, you know, it's really powerful to hear to hear your journey and and your triumph and and struggles. Um, so we really do appreciate you and thanks so much. Thank you, Michelle. Of course. So. The final question I've got for you today is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project, and that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think the value is joy. If you pursue what you're passionate about, every moment is joyful, and joyful is not based on circumstances. It's It surpasses that. Like, there's joy and sadness, there's joy in good times. But if we're always working towards that bigger purpose, we can find joy in every moment of our lives. And that's what I've found and hope to always find. Love it. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jen. And where can people learn more about you you and your work? Yeah, I would love for them to check out my website, simplegreensmoothies.com. And we have a free seven-day green smoothie challenge, which they can sign up for and have some of the most amazing green smoothies out there and also just kind of understand how we do things. So one great thing about being an entrepreneur is you can study other entrepreneurs and get ideas. So I'll sign up for things all the time just to study them. So sign up for our free opt-in and then kind of see where it leads you with the offers that we have and all of the amazing products we have. Love it. And the... Thanks so much, Jen. Again, it's been amazing. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.